0: welcome back to another episode of the queerly black show we are joined today with some very special gentlemen from the surface level podcast we have mr jordan randall and mr tony y'all tell the people about yourselves we, jordan you go ahead kick it off
1: all right yeah so um, i'm jordan i am um, i'm gay. I from, I'm from New Jersey. I went to Howard University for undergrad. I studied marketing. I currently live in New York City. And like I said, we, uh, Tony and I, and then as a third person, Devon Epps, we host Circus level podcasts, which is um, creating a, com- a a community of queer and Black folks who are fearless and thought and curious at heart. Um, so that's what we try to do is try to have a lot of conversations that are affecting our community. Um, so we, t- we pick a different topic every week and we sort of Go beneath the surface level
2: yeah and hey everybody so i'm tony i um i'm also gay <laughs> <laughs> and um i i went to harvard university as well um but i was i was born in the bronx raised in virginia small small county called buckingham in central virginia nearest to charlottesville that's where people most um are familiar with And um, I live in New York, I live in Harlem. And like I said, I went to Howard University. Um, I majored in journalism with a concentration in advertising, and I too am a host of surface level podcasts. Um, And as Jordan, er, along with everything that Jordan mentioned, it's like we really wanted to also just take a look at like what society deems as what a queer black man is and really kind of debunk um, those expectations, those societal expectations.
0: Dope, man. Yeah. So let's look, let's just jump right in. So I listened to yeah. you know some of y'all podcast episodes. And I think, you know, going all the way back to the beginning, um, and talking about your coming out stories. And um, Tony, I know you have uh talked about your relationship with your dad and um mm-hmm. how you kind of you kind of just are like, you know what, I'm gonna just tell them now. You guys robbing sure in, in a car, it ripped it off. Uh talk about that, tell the people about your journey, especially from the perspective of, of course, you know, with manhood and, um, mm-hmm. you know, people being very afraid of what that looks like, um, you know, tell people about your story. And then, uh, of course, Jordan, you know, follow them up.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's for me, it's interesting, like, because I grew up in a household with my mom primarily raised me. Um, so I only remember, like visits with my father as a kid. And as I was growing up and realizing, like, who I am and becoming more of, you know, my queer self, my gay self. I I never really thought about too much of like how he would feel about it, to be honest. Um, but my father has always been very nurturing, very uh, loving. He's always loved on me. And even though, like, you always hear your parents know um, about you know your sexuality before you before you actually verbalize it. And I think he probably knew. But for me, like I said, it was it was we were hanging out um here in Harlem one night we were out for drinks and I was dating someone I was in a serious relationship with and you know kind of had that liquid courage probably and (laughs) I was we're riding in the car and I and I literally had a moment I'm texting you know my then partner at the time and I was like dad I want you I want you to meet my boyfriend and he was like your what (laughs) and I was like my boyfriend and he kind of like paused for a second then he was like okay like and you know it was like we continued the night um but what what was interesting to me is after telling him that he kind of talked to me about his own sexuality and he, he although he's a heterosexual man he expressed to me that when at a certain certain point in his life he did have thoughts um and curiosities and so i thought it was like oh wow i got i got to have a different conversation with him, based on me just being vulnerable and sharing more of who I am, how um, deep did he go with that? He well, it was he didn't go too. Did he was just, he kind of just was like, you know, I had thoughts, and I thought maybe he he kind of questioned his own sexuality for a, a, a second. But I thought that that was something you don't we don't get to hear.
0: Yeah, um, it's because it's not a lot of, for him to say that yeah, at all.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so it, the moment just brought us closer, and um, I I'm happy because I have. a a positive story like a lot of people don't have a positive story my my father didn't treat me any differently um you know and as a matter of fact I think he even is more protective of me so um but that was that was my that was my experience with coming out to my dad which was interesting so yeah
0: I think you you like uh many people you did, you told them after you had a boyfriend, which, um, is, is something I, I, I've seen a lot, like in stories, like it's, it's one of those things where you can do it for somebody else, Mm. but sometimes don't have the courage to do it for yourself. Um, I had, you know, the I would say the the deeper because I'm me like you. I was like, oh, my parents, they gotta know. Like, I mean, come on. I, I mean, <laughs> you know, I played basketball, <laughs> but like, come on. Like, I, you know, I'm not walking around like <laughs> dresses and like all that. Like, you come on, you know. Right, but right. Uh, the same, like, had the deeper mm-hmm. conversations once I was in a relationship. It's like, okay, I feel like I could do it for somebody else, but like, just for myself, I couldn't really get there. Um, but our friend Jordan, um, you know, yeah. was was. Was the brave one, Uh, the one thing that's cool about your story, uh, you know, talking about, well, cool, but traumatic at the same time, um, talking about the homeless guy, this super extreme version. So talk about for you, Mm -hmm. um, you know, some of the fears that you had, obviously, with the homeless guy being the representation and then your family and being from the church and stuff like that.
1: Sure. So to give context to what um, you're referencing. So mm-hmm. just for reference, this episode where we um, talk about our coming out stories is called Dad on the Bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, we came out with that one, uh, that episode in our season one. So you have to scroll back a little bit, but very um, vulnerable stories for all of us. Um, my relationship with my father um, is similar to um, Tony, where you know I stayed primarily with my mother and I spent time with my father so I spent summers in Michigan with my father's side of the family the school year with my mother Um, and my my father's side of the family is pretty religious and um, very 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 um, I guess intolerant of homosexuality that's like the one thing in the bible that they really latch on to and it's just like absolutely not and there was this homeless guy who um, used to just be around the neighborhood that my father's house was at his name was Goulash, and he was present. He presented as gay. I don't know what he identified as, but he, he had a tank top. He would like turn it in, and you know when people would like take a tank top mm-hmm. and they tuck it in, and, like it turns into like a bra. situation. Yes, he had he, his his tank top was like that, and um, he would chase people around. And um, I just remember, you know not really seeing too many people who were gay growing up. And for that to be sort of representation in my neighborhood, it made me feel like, you know, that my father didn't really understand the full um, diversity and texture of the community and that he just had this one isolated reference point. And um, so when I came out to my father, it was after I graduated college and when after I moved to New York, um, I also got some liquid courage a as well, lots of champagne that (laughs) night before I could build up the courage to tell my father. And um, it didn't go like how I wanted it to go. Um, It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, an aggressive situation, but he told me flat out that he didn't support it. He told me that he loved me, but he doesn't support it. And um, to this day, you know, it's just something that we don't talk about. Um, We'll talk about every other thing going on in my life, but um, I don't think there's an interest in, you know, sort of my romantic side of my life or who I'm dating or when I might get married or starting a family. So, um, it's religion has been a barrier in my, um, in my relationship with my father. So that relationship has been kind of strained because as I get older, I'm not really interested in having relationships where I can't have the full extent of myself. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's been my experience and, you know, well, therapy is definitely, um, paying off for that part, but, um, Yeah, I think it's a a common story for a lot of people in our community.
0: You know, um, I want to talk a little bit about like, you know, parental allyship um, and how important it is to have the support of your family, right? Because I think in the queer world, you hear two perspectives, right? You hear some people who are like, well, you don't got to accept me and like whatever. And then there's some people Mm -hmm. who I think like want to push that narrative forward, like no, like it matters that you accept me. Like it matters mm. to me and I'm okay. I'm vulnerable yeah. enough to admit to you that that matters to me. And I'm willing to Absolutely. risk our relationship for to push this forward. Like I have to challenge you to change. Like I mm-hmm. have to yeah. So, talk about for you guys, how important that is in both of your journeys with both of your families, your parents, and just like people in your, your, your immediate circles.
2: I mean, I... I definitely can identify with um, that that phase of like, feeling like, I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks. Um, if you ain't fucking me, you ain't feeding me, you ain't financing me. Like it was a three F's, you ain't fucking me, you ain't, hey, me. Man. you ain't financing me. Like Once I felt like I was, you know, able to be independent in terms of like, I'm taking care of myself, I'm not in the household. I really started to give less fucks about like, what anyone, you know, thought and and family in particular um, because that's always looming in the back of your head like what are they going to think and so when I just had to like let go of that thought process and you know really live my life and and I carried myself you know I I didn't really do a whole bunch of code switching and being one way you know obviously I'm not my full self the way I'm around my family um the way I was around like friends but however I still for the most part like I wasn't like trying to make my voice deeper or mm-hmm. trying to be more masculine and butcher it up like I didn't do any of that now on the flip side of that I do you know now I because I have I think I have a, a, a one of the unique situations where both my parents accepted me and when I verbalized to both of them that I was gay you know I didn't get the the backlash or the disappointment or any of that and so it, 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 and I realized it was important, you know, I, as much as I was like, you know, fuck what anyone thinks and, you know, I'm going to do me like that support does matter.
0: Yeah. 100.
2: Uh, It really does. And when you, when you sit with yourself and you, you have a moment to think about it, you're like, I am hurt. You know, if my, my parents kind of don't accept me
1: for my whole self. That is heartbreaking. mhm. Mm-hmm yeah i think that um i I completely agree actually that was one of the frustrations that i had with my therapist is that my therapist was pushing me to move beyond my relationship with my parents because they were disappointing and i just didn't agree with that that's not the that's not the culture that i was raised in and that wasn't something that i was prepared to do um but i will say that moving to new york a coping mechanism for me was was distancing myself from my family um i spent a lot of years just sort of pouring into friends which have become my family over time. Um, But I think that as I'm getting older, um, I think that as my parents, their health is becoming more of a concern. My dad had a, um, a scare with COVID earlier this year. I'm realizing that I need to be a little bit more proactive because I actually do really care about these relationships, regardless of their thought about my sexuality or who I'm supposed to be with. um, These are the people who supported me and showed me love growing up. And if they're having difficulty understanding one aspect of my identity, for me, that's not a deal breaker for our relationship forever. Um, And for me, it is important. And I have a hard time sort of disengaging um, with my parents, knowing that you know, it probably just requires a little bit more effort on both of our parts and that we didn't try everything that we could have yet.
0: Yeah,
2: but and, but Jordan didn't, because you raised a good point about you being proactive and I'm like, I know as, as the children we think like, why am I the one that has to be the adult and like raise, yeah. raise the conversation and I, I think I remember talking to you about being like, sometimes that's the role we have to play because yeah. we are a little mm-hmm. bit further in thought process than they are and we have to bring them to where we are, so.
1: And also, I think that as we get older, you you just realize like as you become like act like grow into the adult that you are today. I think that you realize like yeah, these are my parents, but these are still just like human beings, adults who have communication issues, who have like conflict management issues, don't know how to like mediate like difficult dislike things. Like no one just because they're your parent doesn't mean that they are just naturally stronger (laughs) right they don't have they they might not have the tools and their parents may not have the tools so
0: yeah they're just whoever has them (laughs) they just happen to be older um and I always the 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 way that I kind of uh communicate that is like I think every generation has their own burden to carry right and I for I always talk about how for us being educated and being black you operate in corporate America in these spaces where sometimes they, people have never even experienced a black person, right? Like I had a boss Mm -hmm. that had never interacted with a black person. She was, she worked in a like small accounting firm and then coming to, uh, you know, the fortune 500 company we were working at, she was like, I didn't really like interact. My world was not black. Right. So there's Mm -hmm. all these, Mm -hmm. Hate to call them burdens, but that's what they are, right? Is they're seeing us and experiencing us for the first time. And they're like, you know, your hair is different, or the way that we talk is different. Where we, you know, uh we were raised in a very strong, you know, expression of how we feel, and you know, we talk with our Mm. face and you know culturally we're just different and so a lot of times you know and my wife is on the other side me I'm like you know what if people are asking questions about being black or being gay I just answer them freely she's like no like don't touch my hair don't ask me about that you have Google just like I do don't ask me nothing and that's for her she's like no like they need to they need to get with it like you know I your that.
2: Your wife sounds like our our third host of the show, Daman. Very much that mentality. Yeah, she's (laughs) like, no,
0: you go do it yourself. You have Google. You can figure everything else out. Like, leave me alone. Um, But I think on top of that, then we're gay. So it's like, okay, so not only Mm -hmm. do I have to deal with this at work of being black and you know assimilating to this culture, Mm -hmm. but now I got to be at home and I got to teach you about like, don't call a man uh, a derogatory word that me, you know, or don't call me Mm -hmm. a dyke, or don't, like, don't, like, not have to educate you on this, or don't ask how we have sex, or don't ask me these weird questions, like, now I gotta come over here and talk to you about this, too, you know, so just that extra (laughs) layer, so to your point about parents, like, they don't know, they, like, we can challenge them in the way that we choose, like, if it's, okay, I'll have this conversation with you, or, like, mom really like this is what you're gonna do um so talk about like experiences where like you've had to like you've looked at somebody like really like are we still here (laughs) (laughs) have you guys had those experiences
1: um recently no um and also like i I just think that now i just kind of and i'll speak more so to like the gay thing because i feel like the environments that i met and in New York City, most people have had experience with um, with black people. So for like the gay thing, I like I just lean into it. Like I sort like if I'm in like a corporate environment, I'll just casually like bring up like oh I'm going on a date with this guy to like tomorrow. Like I don't make like a big thing, mm-hmm. but I do like let people know um, you know who I am. Just so that we can just like let's avoid all of the awkward like what's going Mm -hmm. on like it doesn't need to be strange like you wouldn't Mm -hmm. be strange with me talking about you know whatever guy you think is handsome like or or what celebrity crush you have like let's not act like i have to like you know gather everybody in the conference room and make an announcement (laughs) um so i haven't really had those moments uh yet and honestly with my family um or well, my dad's side of the family, they, they just ignore it. They don't bring up anything with sexuality. My mom's side of the family, they are starting to lean into conversations about it. Um, and they are starting to like test the waters. They were really nervous for a long time because I don't think they knew what questions were appropriate to your mm-hmm. point. And they weren't necessarily doing the research either. Um, so they mm-hmm. just, their solution was to just hold back um, but I think they're. I think honestly, starting the podcast has made a lot of people in my life and around my life more comfortable having conversations with me, um, as it pertains to my sexuality, because I think they're seeing that I'm more comfortable with it.
2: Yeah. Uh, as it relates to the office, it's, it's like, you got to normalize just being yourself. So when you casually drop like, oh, my boyfriend or, oh, I'm going on a date with like you, you do it. It like like it's like it's normal because it is you know you don't make it a big deal um and uh, you know outside of that you know office chatter happens so if you if you don't people are going to have, have a narrative for you you know yep. people are going to so jordan <laughs> what do you think right. about like that's it gives yeah. that in the office space did you see and the so- ellen
0: Jenner show last night you're like <laughs>
2: <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> and when it, and when it, as it relates to family, like I never really had a um a, a moment that felt like I was being um something was being dangled in front of me that in a way that was like you know I'm that I'm not into that. It, there was sort of sort of like what Jordan was saying when the family starts talking and have, having conversations about you. I do remember like my one of my aunts came up to me and she was like, so. She was like, I, I know, I know, and she said, this is my, uh, I'm cool with And So, I she, and, and I was like, okay. And she was like, so, I, but I, I need to know. And I want to know because like family is asking, like, oh. what do I, what sh- <laughs> like, what should I say? Do I need to have the United Front? Or, and I was like, don't say anything. Right. <laughs> I was like, don't say anything. Yep. yep. <laughs> wow. So that was, that was, yeah.
0: She said, like, I know. So you you're not okay. running from me. I got it. I'm, I'm with you. I got you. <laughs> I love it. Um, so talk about the podcast. So um, some of the topics I I, I kind of want to know like have there the you know the feedback from people who've you know been freed from you guys' podcast and then does your family listen and what are some of the the I would say more controversial things that you guys have talked about. Um, on the show and have gotten like feedback from that you've been like all right okay I think we're moving towards <laughs> something here
1: um, Tony do you want to give the origin story <laughs> so well
2: all right well the, the podcast really it started um, as like me Damon, Jordan will be sitting having what we call like a sit and sip drinking our wine ca- catching up on our weeks and one of our Howard friends you know, we have a tight knit community at Howard, Um, she FaceTimed us and she was jokingly, you know, joking but said, you guys should start a podcast. But then she wasn't joking because she called again one time and she was like, no, you guys need to start a podcast. And we're like, everyone's doing a podcast. Like, why should we, like, what do we have to offer? And so Jordan, Demont and I sat and we looked at each other and we said, we have these careers, you know, let's put some of our talents to use for something for ourselves. And we decided in an instant to do the podcast. And so we talk about, traditionally, we talk about things that aren't, like we don't really cover pop culture. We do very topical conversations around dating, around sexual health, around, um, D- different things like we talked we've talked about fat phobia and body image. We've talked about, um, you know, growing up or not growing up in the black church and the black church uh, relationship with the queer community. Uh, and so the the feedback has been overwhelming. Um, you know, we've so many people have reached out saying that different episodes, for whatever reason, have really touched them and really um, given them a perspective or let them be seen. I've talked about my sexual status um, with being HIV positive, And that was a big deal because I hadn't talked about that, you know, in a, in a public way um, ever. And the podcast gave me that platform. There were friends and family, including my mom and dad, that I hadn't spoken to i did tell um my dad before the episode came out um but my mom didn't know until after and i i was able to tell her myself um but when you talk when you ask about who listens to the podcast i have cousins that are younger that listen to the podcast um when i say younger like my age and a little bit younger but like my mom and dad aren't really like savvy on the podcast front um, <laughs> and so they, they, I think my dad listened to like the very first episode and he was like, you guys sound smart. And I was like, <laughs> thank, thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jordan, what, your
1: take on yeah, I mean, feedback and I think that um, the feedback that we've been getting is that it's been helping a lot of people have conversations, uncomfortable conversations with their circle. Um, there was, there's people that respond to our Instagram account and, and they'll let us know that, you know, our episode helped them come out um, to their family Uh, that happened there was one um, one guy who was a little older um, who was struggling with his identity and he felt like you know if he did come out it was going to be all these consequences but he has this other life that he's living and these are very real things that are happening in our community and I think the reason why we wanted to do the podcast is for several reasons right we wanted to show what healthy friendship looks like in the Black queer community. And we wanted to be able to tackle conversations and things that actually affect our community in a serious way while also providing levity and um, inspiring people to like, you know, it's, it's okay. It's not like all these odds are stacked up against us, but you can still find happiness and in, in friendship and, in, um, you know, in the family that you, you're, you're you know, you what do we call them? not your chosen family, your chosen, family? Family. chosen, your chosen yeah. family. Yes, I was like, wow. What? So it's it's really about establishing a community which we're really, really proud of. People have been really receptive to it. And um, yeah, the conversations have been pretty controversial to, to, to your point. I think uh, one topic in particular that um, like kind of uh, garnered the most engagement was our conversation around fat phobia. Mm. And I think it's because um, body image is a huge aspect of queer culture. Um, it's you could see it clear as day on TV. Uh, I think that gay men are sort of um, shown to be like these super uh, vapid and just sort of body obsessed uh, people, and you know that that affects our community. That representation affects our community in a real way because it. Uh, disenfranchises and deprioritizes certain body types, and I think that what we learned through that conversation is that a lot of people didn't really take that phobia seriously, and there was a there was a there was a strong debate um, with our with our community of it does it exist or you know are we creating a new phobia that you know it's not a real thing? So um, I love that you know the conversations are creating. You know, a, a bigger conversation outside of our platform. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, the big, the big fellas ain't getting no love. What's going on?
1: <laughs> Listen, that's what they That's that's what's happening. You know, when you when you look on Instagram and you look at like the the, the Instagram pages that are celebrating um, queer black uh, men, they all look like bodybuilders, sure. and if they and and immediately after that, they look like fashion models. This is true. You know, like like so, it's 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 a real thing that's happening. So.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know that with women, I don't think that's as big of a thing. I
2: yeah. mean, I
0: know obviously, you know, everyone has uh, preferences, but um, that's interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah, I mean,
2: I, but I think that kind of would make sense to me. I, I like mm-hmm. you saying that, I don't, I don't think I've like heard that point of view, but like Jordan was saying, when it comes to very specifically within the gay community, mm-hmm. you know, your image and and looking a certain way is very much so, you know, a lot of what the lifestyle entails. It's like yeah. and it's looking good and then you're going out to like especially if you're in a metropolitan city like we are here in New York, or if you're in LA or somewhere like where how you look is a a big part of how people um like consume you. Value you and, Yeah. You know, uh-huh.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that that makes sense to me. And I, I, I'm glad you brought up uh, metropolitan areas. I wanted to talk to you guys about um, dating in transient cities, right? Because I think, like, obviously, D.C. and, you know, places like D.C., New York, L.A., Atlanta, to an extent. Um, dating in those cities, I'm curious about, I, from my perspective, because I've been in a relationship for so long, right? Like, for me, it's like, you know one relationship and not experiencing the dating aspect there are a lot of people who who do though and i know for us living in a major area is important because of representation it just is what it is like i can't live in the middle of nowhere because i'm a gay black woman and that's just for me that's just what Mm -hmm. it is right and i think um yeah but then also the next level of having to date right like but dating in a transient city a place where people are kind of moving in and out, right? Like you could meet somebody, have a great connection and they're like, yeah, but I'm leaving in a month or I'm leaving in a year right? <laughs> to go, yeah. whether they're a creative and they you know, travel a lot or whether um, they're you know, moving around for their, their corporate career or they're just like, yeah, I'm just here for a little while to test it out. Um, so mm-hmm. can you talk about your experiences with that, just in terms of building community and then also dating in places where people are just kind of moving pretty rapidly.
1: I can, so to, I actually would like to take like a, a slight pivot on that because yeah. I, I, I in my dating experience, um, being in big cities, the issue was less about people and how long they were going to be in the city and more about like the volume of options in the city. So, you know, it's, it, it's transient in that way, right? Like everyone's coming, everyone's coming and going and it just. They moving through people instead
0: that. of the, instead of cities. Yeah, oh, oh, exactly. exactly. Right. Myself. It's, it's, it's,
1: New York City, Los Angeles, like there's so much going on. And, mm-hmm. and if you stay in these cities long enough, you sort of build that fast paced lifestyle where it's always like, you know, it's competitive here and not just in the dating scene. It's competitive, competitive professionally, like the rents are crazy. So you have to figure out how you're going to hustle and get your, yeah. and get your bag. And I think similarly with dating, I think that there's so many options. So it's like everyone's sort of just like is this what I want to do with the rest of my life or is this what I want to do with the rest of my life and you know I think it's more difficult to sort of the the idea of settling I think is a little bit um, less appealing in a city where there's so many options and you feel like you always find better ones every day and that's sort of been the experience that I've noticed um, is that you know People just aren't really willing to settle down and the the data shows it, right? Like people in bigger cities get married much later than people in smaller cities. And, but, you know, to your point, Ashley, I'm not moving. I'm not going to be in a small city. I knew growing, growing up, I was just like, okay, I need to move to New York or LA. Those are my only options in America. Like, I can't go anywhere else Mm -hmm. because we're, like, I need gay clubs, I need the gay community, I need to go somewhere where I'm celebrated and I feel comfortable. I don't want to be somewhere where I'm sneaking around Mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm one of few. Mm -hmm. So what do you think, Tony? Yeah, um, I think that you hit the nail on the head
2: with regards to there just being so many options. Like, when people say, oh, you live in New York City, like, you know, dating has to be everything. Like you, you have a lot of options, and that's that's also that's the that's the good and the bad. It's a double-edged sword there because um, everyone always feels like there's something better out there, and it's that's why it's so hard to settle because you always feel like, you know, you check off a lot of boxes, but I feel like there's somebody out there that probably checks off even more boxes,
0: mm.
2: or just you know, to take it in a different, through a different lens, it's giving Temptation Island. So it's like. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So It's like, now you, you know, I think, I don't know for you, Ashley, but a lot of, in recent days, a lot of conversation, there's a lot of new conversation around um, non-monogamy, you know, yeah. uh being being more open in relationships and We closed
0: over here baby. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the streets ain't calling me. <laughs> I'm going to help so, y'all numbers. I'm going to help y'all I'm going to help <laughs> y'all numbers out. I ain't going to make this no complicated. I'm out. <laughs> so I think
2: that, you know, yeah. it's it's interesting because that's now I'm 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 noticing and I think Jordan can say the same is that there are, there are a lot of more people who's ways of thinking about like what it means to be in a traditional relationship yeah. it's it's you know it's different it's given very um, well you, and you, you, <laughs> giving very
1: willing you can't have your cake and eat it too so <laughs> it's given create the, create the world you want create the it's, life you want it's giving <laughs> entanglement
0: <laughs> okay
1: right,
0: right. yeah mm-hmm. no it that's interesting because um what do you guys notice like a pattern of that because um I do understand that. And do you feel like to even kind of go back to the fat phobia thing, right? When you have so many options and you're like, like for you guys, right? You're, you're serious with somebody, you know, say maybe like a year or something like that. And then they're like, "Mm, but I don't really know. Do you exit the situation feeling like, okay, ain't nothing wrong with me. We just live in New York and you just doing the most, or do you kind of take the relationship and feel like I have to continue, continue to improve myself, but not because you personally decided that, but because this situation forced you to reflect and be like, Hmm, is this, is there something more that I need to do? And then going back to the fat phobia thing, do you feel like that also is a part of dating in that type of environment where you feel like you have to be the best of the best for someone to consider you at that level of like commitment. Like this is a part of that package.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think to answer, to answer your first question, um, I take sort of like rejection or things, uh, ending really, really personally. So I think for a long time in my dating experience when things, or when the other person decided that they weren't interested I immediately took that as I did something wrong or like I needed to like reflect. And I'm in a place now where I'm kind of realizing that a lot of people are dealing with a lot more than they actually communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that people back away from, um, from situations for a lot of different reasons. Like I know someone, they actually like told me, like they actually broke it down to me after, like maybe a year after we stopped talking that they had abandonment issues with their mm-hmm. parents and that being like, they felt like they were getting too close to me. And I guess the fear of me not being there was greater than their confidence that they should go move forward with a full relationship. And I didn't have that context before. You know, before I was just thinking like, what's wrong with me? You know what I mean? And I think that that helped me understand that people deal with so much more trauma than we'll ever know because, you know, we're not, especially our generation is not really accustomed to sharing All of our vulnerabilities, you know. I think the younger generation is becoming more comfortable with, you know, being expressive and showing people when they're sad or when they feel less than. We are still working through that, you know. Our generation Mm is the generation that's getting into therapy, so I think that's that's one of the things to consider um, with dating. And then in terms of just like making yourself, I guess, um, a valuable or eligible bachelor um, I, you know, I do think about that. I do, I do think that your image plays a role. Like we, Tony and I, we, we live in, we live in New York city. We both work in marketing. So like our, a lot of our life is sort of like a part of this ecosystem. That's very like, I won't say flashy, but it's, it's a lifestyle, Mm -hmm, you know, and people, people value certain things and people, um, people will consider certain things that have more things going on. And, Mm -hmm. So I, you know, a, a part of me, I would like to say that I go to the gym for mental health, but I don't sometimes. Sometimes I go to the gym because I just really <laughs> want to fix the fat. And I think that it's gonna really help, help, you know, help me get, you know, maybe the partner that I'm interested in that I'm too mm-hmm. shy to talk to. So I'm not, you know, I'm not too mm-hmm. proud to say that, you know, I have insecurities and that, you know, I wanna feel special too, and that I do things that um is are superficial and hopefully will, you know, Make people value me more, but I think the the idea yeah. that I'm trying to communicate is that that's also rooted in trauma, you yeah. know, <laughs> and just trying to figure out, you know, how we can sort of work through those things and be more about just like finding your own happiness and gravitating towards the people who mm-hmm. love you, regardless of those things. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I think that um, when people get into at least when and, and for me, if I'm gonna get into a relationship, I and considering the work that it takes to be in one. And so I don't want to, like, I'm more intentional when I'm dating. I'm asking questions in the beginning, getting to know someone really, and, you know, on those first few dates before getting too far down the road and a year later um, having that moment. Not to say that you can't still have that moment a year later and look up and be like, hmm, is this really what I want? But I think I'm less, uh you know, quick to just make a rash decision and be like, I'm done with this and more in, inclined to like actually put in the work to figure out what's happening here and having conversations and working through it. And then as it pertains to um, like the fat phobia and like wanting to look um, your best and stuff like that. I, th- I mean, in my, I, we've talked about this, like on that episode on, um, it's called Skinny Legends. Oh, wait, is it called Skinny Legends only? Yes, Skinny, Skinny Legends only. Yeah, yeah, Skinny Legends only. Um, we
0: Shout we out to talk titles. about so creative. <laughs> <You> <laughs> we know, I love it. <laughs>
2: little, little <laughs> we wanted this to be a little,
0: little <laughs> provocative, a little spicy. But, but
2: we we talk <laughs> about the fact that people want, to, like, who doesn't want to look their best, right? Basically, um, we think that regardless of what state you're in of how you want to personally look. I think that most people do, you know, strive to want to to look their best. And there should be no shame in, in wanting that. So
0: yeah. It's the donuts for me. <laughs> 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 look. Oh man, we, we got some extra stuff over here. So look, no, I'm just kidding. But uh <laughs> that's what's up. Yeah. So I got some questions I want to ask. Um we gonna we're gonna uh, I have so much more that I I want to talk about, but uh, in the interest of time, we're going (laughs) to might have to have y'all back on here again. Um, (laughs) So are y'all gold star gay? Or have y'all been with women? No, Uh, (laughs) we're both gold star gays,
1: but Damon, our third third, uh, host, he is not a um, gold star gay, but we both are. Yeah, I'm terrified I of, I'm, I'm um, always wonder, like who, a woman. <laughs> <laughs> who made who made that that phrase gold star gang?
0: I gotta I do I, some
2: research on that. <laughs> I, yeah, I th-
0: I think I heard it for the first time on um probably the L word or like mm. like one of those <laughs> Like I didn't I don't think it it's was no something that's
2: always it's just something that's yeah. always been in the zeitgeist that you just like you're like where did it, where did love it originate it from? It. from? Mm-hmm. But yeah. Gold stars, <laughs> gold star over here
0: have you dated a married man and didn't know he was married
2: I had sex with a man who was getting married <laughs> that, that I didn't know he, that I didn't know he was engaged to be married oh no scandal. I was I was so taken aback when I, I was like wait a minute he's he's getting married <laughs>
1: I remember the revelation. I was just like, "Oh my goodness!" <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry to this man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sorry to this man. Were you dealing with him, and then?
2: No, it was like a hookup situation, I got it. Mm-hmm. and he was in town visiting from out of town, mm-hmm. um, and that happened. Like we knew each other from social media, and so we saw each other at a party, and then we ended up hooking up. And I did his social media. There's no traces of like him being in a relationship, let alone engaged. And so to a man or own... he, To a man. Okay. To a man. Um, but to, I don't think I've ever been in a situation with a man who's um been like on the down low, you know, or not out, we'll say. Um, and had a wife on the side. Or not on the yeah. side, had,
1: had, had, had on you the on the side. side. <laughs> not, not a wife,
0: not a wife on the side. A wife on the side. He said, I'm always the one, never the two. <laughs>
2: Okay.
0: I'm the one that's too. It's the confidence for me. Yeah,
1: <laughs> no, you, I, don't think, I, I don't think I have either. No, I don't think. And if I did, I I still don't know. So no, I don't, said... I, don't, I don't think I ever have. No, I don't think I've, I've never ever died. um been with anyone who's who's married.
0: That's that's, I that's wish honorable I had a fun story to tell. No. <laughs> 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 no, no, that's 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 what's up. Um, and then I wanted the the, the to to bring it back, obviously to to the mothership. For us, Howard, um, talk a little bit about like just gay culture at Howard.
2: It's 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 the stories that most most people who have gone to an HBCU know. Like being at, our, at the time we were coming up at Howard, it's very taboo um, and just not accepted to be gay. And if you wanted to be a part of any organizations, like you would be blackballed if you were if they sniffed out, you, you know, a possibility. <laughs> Yeah, you right. had to be straight passing in order to really make for certain organizations, and and um it was tough, and you it, there weren't a lot of safe spaces um back then, and it's different now. Um, you know, I see I see the difference with how queer life on on campus is. Um, and it's come a long way, but definitely was a a, a bit of a scary space because you're trying to figure out who you are you're figuring out right. your sexuality and you don't feel like you can really fully live in the moment. And so many people don't get to, to have that experience. I was able to have a queer undergrad experience. Um, and I, I'm grateful that I was that I got there somehow because it, my experience was just so much more dynamic. But there's so many people that don't get to have that when they're in their undergrad. They come out after leaving Howard um and they don't get to have that full experience of being like gay and and out and living that lifestyle while you're you know in in college it's so much fun and you miss out on that and a lot of people that's the one thing I hear from people like I wish I was able to have that experience
0: yeah were you you were you were out at
2: Howard I was I was out like I didn't I didn't necessarily have to be like, oh, I'm gay. You're right, wearing a like, rainbow I, flag or I, nothing like that. I, but you be like, yourself. I was like, I was around people who were also like, they were gay, and then I was like, oh, I think I'm, I think I'm this, <laughs> and <laughs> I, I started being just hanging out with them, and then by association, people just like, no, like, yeah. And then once you realize for yourself, it's like, well, this is what I, what it is, and I didn't really go out of my way to, to hide it. Yeah. Um, but I was still growing into that person. And once I found my like, my, my core group of friends and I lived off campus from like sophomore year through junior year. So that made it even more like, okay, I don't even, I'm not even on campus like that. Yeah. And all my roommates were gay. So it was
1: just a gay old time. <laughs> must, must have been nice. Must have been nice. That was not my experience at Howard. Um, I, I didn't have the confidence to be out or um, to just sort of like be, I guess more free with my gay expression. I was, um, for the most part at Howard, I I came out um, my senior year. Uh, So all before that, I basically just did not talk about sexuality. I did attempt to date um, uh, a woman, I think my sophomore year, I couldn't keep that charade up for longer than like, you know, a week and I was like, I gotta go, I'm sorry. Um, but you're like yeah, you're a really this, nice
0: girl but
1: no. you're, you're a beautiful girl but you should find somebody who wants you um and it was <laughs> you know it was just it was really difficult and to tony's point you know i wanted to i had goals when i came to howard and my goals were like not necessarily to even get good grades my, my like i wanted to actually be really really integrated in the howard social um scene and i wanted to get an internship one of those, the internship thing didn't really matter if you were gay or straight, but being social at Howard. And when I say being social, I mean like being in Divine Nine or, you know, like being selected to be at the homecoming fashion show, like these type of things, mm-hmm. like there is homophobia in these institutions and in, in these organizations. And I remember um, my time at Howard University, there was this anonymous blog that came out called Juicy Campus Ooh, um, yeah. and it was, yeah, it was basically just like a blog, but for your school and people would make lists. So I was a part of a gay 2020, t- gay class of 2011 list. And then that sort of was read by everybody on campus. And then I found out that part of the reason why I didn't make an organization is because I was gay. And, you know, it didn't really make me feel like I was even, that I should even do it, that I should even come out like in terms of my sexuality. So I went further into the closet after that. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's really, it was really sort of like difficult for me to do it because I was looking for social acceptance at that time. Um, and at that time it was kind of taboo, but I do think it's changing and um, not to give it all away, but on surface level this season, we actually are talking to um, people who have studied the queer experience on HBCUs and talking about how that, um, how that, what progress is being made on campuses to liberate queer students. Because I'm seeing some of the social media of like the kids now, and there's so much more expression out there. People feel Mm -hmm. so much more comfortable just being like, this is who I am. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't need you to accept me. Like I'm finding my, I'm building my own communities and it's not just exclusively on this campus. Maybe I'm building an online community. So um, Mm -hmm. I think that times are changing, but in 2011,
0: be in my closet y'all <laughs> holla at me later <laughs> um no yeah that that's a good point because uh one of um uh, one of the guests was a teacher and two of them and both of them talked about how their kids that are like 10 11 years old and they're like you know masculine presenting and they're like you know i'm a part of the lgbt community and like they're just you know and, and they talk about like how yeah. they're jealous they're like these kids are just so free like we were over here like wrecking our brain like oh my god like how am I gonna deal with this like you know suicidal thoughts the whole nine yards and these kids are like liberated at such a young age this will never be an issue for them like just something that they won't have to deal with um but I think I I give credit to our generation I give credit to you know uh us kind of taking those war scars and just saying you know Mm -hmm. what Fuck it. I'm just going out there. Like I'ma just do it, you know, creating these type right. of platforms where it's like normalized and, you know, um, obviously having people like Lena Waith who are not afraid of, of showing it, you know, on TV, um, you know, sometimes in a salacious way, but the representation is there, right? To start the conversation, to make people uncomfortable, but to make right. them face it like we're here, this is what it is. Like we exist, you know, but then to see kids be 11 and be, you know, so young and being like, Hey, like I'm here, I'm at pride, you know, Zaya, mm-hmm. you know, and that whole thing, like in, in though Gabrielle Dwayne taking that position of like, well, being forced into that position, I learned um, because I mm-hmm. was like, you. Mm-hmm. they need to use my right name. They need to use my pronouns. I don't know what they talking about. I don't know who's who that kid is. That, that is not me. Like, and them just being like, yeah. we got to get on board because we have to protect our kid. We have to make a safe space for her. So, I mean, I think all of the whole thing like makes for this universe where all these queer um, existences can happen. So I think it's super cool. Um, so last question. There's a kid out there who's experiencing, or a young person, um, experiencing... Uh, Queerness and trying to figure it out. Uh, what is your advice to them?
2: I I would say like what made a difference for me, and I hear this from a lot of people who have a, a shared experience that that I do is having some some fairy gay mothers, <laughs> having an older gay in your life. Um, I if you if you can. If you know someone like I think that that was just helpful for me um, to just have someone that was able to like show me the ropes, um, and that, even that doesn't always that's not always the case though. But like advice outside of that, outside of maybe finding someone that can maybe you know help you in that way and be sort of like a mentor. Um, just taking things one day at a time. Um, find finding resources like. If, I think I didn't know to do any research to, to know that there might be things out there that I could, there, that there are resources out there for me, like there are podcasts out there now, there's, there's so much going on and so much content, like great content, like you're, you're doing, like you're putting out um, that if, if nothing else, it'll help them to feel seen and feel like they're not alone in this world. and They're not by themselves. Um, so that's just a couple of things that I can think of like quickly off the top of my head.
0: Yeah, and no, I think that's big,
1: yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, and I like, kind of like t- on Tony's answer, but like find just one friend, just one person who shares in your sexuality who you can start to open up to because it could be a very frightening experience if you feel like you're by yourself. And I think that a lot of times when people are sort of like unsure about their queerness, they're apprehensive about getting close to another queer person because, you know, it's queer by association for a lot mm-hmm. of straight people. Um, mm-hmm. but what I will say is that the value that you'll receive out of that friendship of being able to be open will hopefully be uh, beneficial enough to give you the strength to, 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 t- to tell yourself, this is how you want to live all the time. I think what was really, really transformational for me at Howard was having my very first gay friend. And when I first met him, I was terrified of getting close to him because I thought that by getting close to him, people would, it would out me to be close mm-hmm. to him. But this person is actually my best friend and I still like spend a ton of time with them years and years later. And it's because like, this is where I I felt the most comfortable. And I was like, you know what? I want to feel like this all the time. And I think that had I not moved into that friendship, I would have been comfortable sort of just being straight presenting and like trying to figure all these roundabout ways of expressing my queerness in the dark, which wasn't going to ever be fulfilling for me. So find one friend and build from there.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I got to thank you guys. Uh Tony Jordan from the Surface Level podcast. Y'all go check out their podcast. It's awesome. Um it's a very uh transformational approach to queerness and those conversations it's called surface level, but they definitely go on below the surface, y'all. It's, it's, it's good. <laughs> it's good stuff. Um, so definitely, you know, thank you to you guys and, and definitely appreciate what you're doing for the community and, uh, you know, pa- opening up, continuing to open up those doors for, for people to come behind us and feel more comfortable. So thank you guys. I'm your host, Ashley. This is queerly black show. I'll catch y'all on the next one.